Glory to God. Hallelujah. Good morning. Y'all look good and hungry. Amen. Are you? For real? That's good. That's good. Amen. I'm glad. That makes me happy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you can turn to uh, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 29. Jeremiah 23 and verse 29. Uh, Rachel, go and on that table beside the single chair is a hammer. Bring that here, please. A hammer. (laughs) We've been talking about The Word works. The Word works. Say it with me. The Word works. Hallelujah. Yes, it does. Anybody believe that? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Mark made this for me, and uh, he brought uh, this hammer. It was... uh, your dad's hammer, right? Your dad's hammer that he used for years and years and years, and I love it. And he put on there, Jeremiah 23, 29, which says, uh, the Word of God, we'll just put this right here for right now. See if it'll, nope, work. Hey, how about that? All right, so it says in Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters the rock. You see, the Word of God will burn up anything that stands in the path of God blessing you. The Word will do it. Now, if you put all of your hope on things of the world, it's not going to turn out the way that you want it all the time. But if you'll put your things on the Word, if you'll put your hope and your faith in the Word of God, it will be like a fire that will burn up every bondage in your life, and it will be like a hammer that will break up the hard ground. Don't you know, don't you know, don't you know, that if you will get the seed of the word in a fertile ground, not the rock, but a fertile ground, it will produce. It will. Why? Because the word works. Amen. The word works. We have to apply the word. We have to get it in ourselves, but we have to also apply the word. We need the word of God working in our lives. And if it's not working uh, and things are not going right, then it's good for us to examine how much are we utilizing the word in our life. That word of God, it'll come against your enemies. It'll come against the enemies of God who are trying to steal, kill, and destroy. It'll also come against the enemy of your flesh uh, or the enemy of your life, which is your flesh. And it'll help you get rid of the things that are holding you back. Has anybody come into Boomerang and all of a sudden we're preaching the word and all of a sudden the word came against something, the, some way that you were doing something in your flesh and you're like, ooh, i got to change that. Anybody ever have to change anything? Yeah, and that's a great thing. Why? Because the more that you allow the fire of the word, the fire of the word to burn up pieces that are ungodly, the more godly will work in your life. And we want godly. We want godly. Amen? Amen. And then he says, and it's like a hammer. 
It's like a hammer, and it will shatter the rock. It will shatter the rock. It will shatter the hard ground, the rocky soil. It will make it fertile. So that now, when you try to apply the promises of God, they will fall into a place that it will work for you. But see, a lot of times what we don't realize is this corrupted world has taught us so many uh, hard, rocky thoughts that we don't even know that we're there. And it's why we need to get in a church that believes in the Word of God, believes in Jesus. It's why we need to give ourselves to the foolishness of preaching because we'll be sitting here and all of a sudden you might not even know it, but the anointing is coming out uh, from that Word and, 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 it's, and it's like Donkey Kong, you know, boom, 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 boom. And, and it's just shattering stuff in your life and you don't even know that it's there. I mean, it's just going to town on it, and you're like, what is, and, and a few months later, you'll look back and say, what's, what's different? Something's different about me. Maybe even your coworkers will say, something's different. What's been happening? The word preached yeah. under an anointing, it is shattering the rock. Yeah. It's shattering it. And it's breaking up that hard ground. And all of a sudden, you know, you prayed a certain way for years and it just never worked. And you were discouraged in God. But you get under an anointing. And the Word of God under an anointing starts to act like a fire. And starts to act like a hammer. And all of a sudden, you, you take that same promise of God and you say, Lord, I believe in your promise. All of a sudden, uh, you don't realize how much soil got broken up and is now fertile. You don't realize how many things got burned away by the preaching of the Word. And now that stuff starts to work in your life. Amen. Amen. The Word of God is like a fire. And it's like a hammer that shatters rock. Amen. Glory to God. Isaiah 55, 11. The Word works. All of us say it together with me. The word works. Hallelujah. We got to get it in us. Did y'all hear Dr. Richard say that a bunch of times? The word works. Same Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, he said a bunch of stuff I've been preaching. He said a bunch of stuff we've been talking about. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So will be my word which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Uh, Let me read it in the New Living. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. Say that with me. It always produces fruit. It always does. Right. It always, it will accomplish, it will accomplish, say it with me, it will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send. I appreciate everybody that was trying to keep up there, (laughs) confess with me. It will accomplish it. Now see, part of the reason why the word uh, wouldn't work in your life before now is not because the word doesn't work, it's because we don't apply the word, because we don't know that the word is there. Remember, faith begins where the will of God is known. So now if you know that his word works every single time, if you know that his word is a fire and a hammer, if you know that it will accomplish, you'll, uh, you'll apply faith differently. 
And the word, the word has laid it out. The Bible has laid this out over in 1 John 5, 4, I believe it is. And it says this, This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So if you're facing a problem and you're facing an issue, how do you overcome? By figuring it out logically? No. You figure it out by applying the word and applying faith to that work. Faith in that word. And if you're not going to apply faith to the word, then it's not going to work for you. But it'll work for other people that will utilize it the way that God said to. Why? Because the word works. It will accomplish. It will do what God sent it to do. It will destroy the things holding us back, holding back the kingdom of God. But the way to utilize it is for people to see it, you and I, see the promise, see the word, and say, Lord, I believe in you. Apply faith on that promise. And he says that that, that faith will overcome the lack of the world. We have to apply it. Uh, the few weeks ago we did the message, the word works, the word that's yours works. So see, there's a lot of promises in there that many people that call themselves Christians and have gone to church for years and years, they're not working. It's not working for them because they're not, they've not made the word theirs. They've not made it theirs. But the word that's yours works. Why? Because God's word is so powerful. It's, it's so powerful, and it's designed to work from the beginning. It's designed to work. And just say this with me. Just say the word, the word. That, I that I work will work for me. It will work for me. And when you get that in you, and it becomes more real to you than anything you see, it'll start working all over the place for you. It's designed to work. Amen. This morning, I want to give you a perspective of, of the word that works from the perspective of the boat of Peter. I know y'all probably like, what? <laughs> the word that you follow works. Today, the word that you follow works. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. The word that you follow. How many people know that there is quite a lot of word in this Bible right here? How many people know that none of us in our lifetime have followed everything we should. Is anybody that can agree with that? Yeah, I didn't follow everything I need to follow in there. Yeah, that's how, that's how you talk when you know you messed up, you kind of trail off, you know. You look away, yeah. That's what condemnation does. Yeah, it's not, not done the greatest with that. But if we will get better and better at following the word, then the word will work for us. The word that you follow right. works. The word that you follow works. The word that you follow. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. Now as Jesus was walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, 
and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. Now, just a side note here. Uh, if, he walked, if he was walking by and he saw them casting a note into the sea, they were probably in a cove actually looking for um, some bait fish. You know, so they're, they're probably getting ready to go out. Matter of fact, when I was over there in January, I saw people doing that exact thing. You know, I was standing in Tiberias, and I'm standing there right on the water, and the boats would come into the little harbor there, which is very small, and uh, they'd be throwing nets over the boat, and then they'd gather up bait fish, you know, and then they'd throw them and keep, and then they'd have bait fish, and they'd go out and uh, get those. Or there, I guess there could have been some fish that were big enough to eat right there in the cove too, but uh, obviously he was walking and they were close enough to hear in this situation, but there's more that, that happened here. We're going to look at it not only in uh, Matthew chapter 4, but in Luke 5, the same story. So he says here, he says in verse 19, and he said to them, Say it with me. Follow me. Follow me. You know, this becomes a theme throughout all of Peter's life. Here's Peter's boat, and Peter, Peter's boat is there when these words are said, follow me. And there's multiple stories that we'll cover today that Peter's boat is involved in. And throughout the whole thing, one of the themes that you see is that it, he's always talking about following him. And we need to follow him. He's always talking to us about following him. You know, he's telling us, don't, don't follow your flesh. Follow the spirit. Follow the words of Christ. The word that you follow works. But many times we don't want to follow that. Why? Because the pleasures of sin, you know, they're pleasurable. For a season, the word says. Yeah, it'll be pleasurable for a night, but then you lose your life. You know, it'll be pleasurable for a night, and then you're in jail. You know, it'll be pleasurable for a little bit, but the wages of sin always is death. And so it's not that God doesn't want you to have fun. He'll just give you fun in a different way that doesn't have hangovers. He'll give you fun in a different way that comes with no condemnation that comes with the joy of the Lord, and you just get stronger and stronger and more blessed instead of the wages of sin just gets you weaker and weaker and less manifestation. It just takes. Why? Because very, very simply in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life in abundance to the full till it overflows is what it means. And so we start to see that Jesus is wanting to get stuff to us, but the devil's always trying to steal, kill, and destroy from us. And how does he do it? How does the devil steal, kill, and destroy from us? He deceives our mind, and he gets us to think like him. And he tempts us with things that our flesh wants, the flesh whose nature is corrupted in sin. And then we see it, and we go after the flesh thing, and the wages of that is death. But the wages of following after the Spirit and following Jesus and following the Word is life and peace. It's much better. It's much better. Always. It's always so much better. It's not God, you know, I, I paint the picture of, you know, this many years ago. The Lord gave me this image. 
Imagine, you know, if you zoomed in, and just listen to me now. Imagine if you, you saw a video of Luke and I, and we're standing there together, and he looks up at me, and uh, he says, uh, he's got a cape on and everything. He says, Dad, I think I can fly. And, and, and I look at him and I say, no, don't, son. You know, if you just saw him zoomed in and all you had was the frame around he and I and our faces and I did, had that response, what would you think if you were watching a movie? It looks, like, it looks like we're just having a conversation. And it would look like I was harsh. But then what if the camera zoomed out and what you actually saw was him standing on the roof two stories up with a cape on getting ready to jump off. And I'm standing there saying, no, don't. You know, I need to explain gravity to you first, right? Because you are about to mess up big time. Now, am I the harsh dad or am I the loving dad? And that's what all of this word is, is loving care from a loving father that says, look, I'll show you how to do those things and you won't have, you won't have any hardship with it. But it, here's how he does it. He starts it like this, same way he starts it with Peter. Follow me. Follow me. Follow my ways. Do it the way I'll show you. The word that you follow works. See, we've been taught to do it all kinds of different ways. I watch people all the time. They'll get in their, in their brain and and they'll try to figure stuff out in the soulless realm, the mind, the will, and emotions. Why? Because they may be smart. They might be smart, and that's worked, but it's kind of like a car salesman. I, I watched one time, as somebody started, it was a car salesman, and uh, he started getting closer to the Lord. And now before that, the car salesman, um, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd have a young couple, and he'd, he'd be talking to them and showing them the cars, and he may say, yes. This is a nice car, isn't it, you know? And say, so, well, guess, you know, I got, I got several other people that are looking at this car right now. If you don't sign up for it today, it may be gone. I know you love it. And what's he utilizing? He's utilizing what's called the fear of loss, right? The fear of loss. In other words, he's injecting a fear into that young couple, and he's trying to get them to move based off of fear. But now he's born again. There is no fear in perfect love. So see, utilizing that tactic, he's utilizing it outside of the kingdom of God. Instead of utilizing, I'm going to have success because I'm a favored child of God. Right? And so what he's doing is he grew up and he learned a certain sales tactic that now that he's going after God, he actually has a better system and he's operating from a better kingdom, but he doesn't know it yet, and he trusts the old fear tactic more than he trusts faith in God. And so he'll keep trying to apply it, and he'll watch as those sales start to go down, 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 because that old system doesn't work anymore. He's in a new kingdom. In Colossians it says, we have been translated 
in, from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light, that means that we are also translated from one set of rules to another set of rules, one set of laws to another set of laws. And if we keep trying to operate by the old kingdom, doing things the old way, and not putting faith in God's word, not following it, we're not going to have success. But if we'll say, I'm in a new kingdom, and Lord, I trust you, you know, in that kingdom, you have tithing, you have offering, you have faith, you have hope, you have the love of God. And so he may come back here to the same couple, and, and instead of getting the fear of loss now, he may say, listen, you know, y'all let me know what you want to do, and walk off. Well, that didn't sound very salesy. No, but see, he's carrying something different. He's in a different kingdom, and he understands that, and that favor of God will work because he's a sower, because he's a faith person, because he's, what's he doing? He's following the word of God instead of following the ways that the world has taught. And he might have been a really good salesman, but now he's got to decide who's my Lord, my old sales tactics or Jesus. Because right. if he keeps following the old sales tactics, the worldly sales ta tactics, who's sitting on the throne? Who does he really trust? He trusts those tactics, the worldly corrupted tactics, more than he trusts Jesus. Who's he following? Not Jesus, not the word. And what's going to happen in his life? It's going to start going down. It's not going to work because he's in a different kingdom. And then he might get frustrated at God when it was him the whole time. I actually watched a part of this actually play out. This was a real life example I got to be to see. We've got to learn that we're in a different kingdom. And the word works if we'll follow the word. And so he says here to Peter, Peter, hey, follow me. And what does he say? I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So a lot of times people won't follow Jesus, but the other thing is they don't make it, they don't make quick decisions to follow him. They'll, they'll you know, sit in church for three years before they decide to stop gossiping or cussing or having faith. And no, we need to be the kind of people that we see it in that word, immediately we make the change. Immediately we make the change. One of the greatest breakthroughs Nicole and I ever had in our life, I can remember where I was and what I was doing. It was before we moved to Albemarle, and, we, and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, whatever you show me that I need to change, I will immediately Start working on that, and I will put it down as much as I can right then. Right then. I'll give myself to you immediately. I will follow you immediately. Has anybody ever tried to do that before, and uh, you missed? You missed? <laughs> Anybody, when you missed, the devil came, and uh, immediately he brought condemnation to you? Oh, you sorry thing. Calling yourself a Christian. How can you even go to church on Sunday when you miss like that? You sorry dog. That's the devil talking, not me. I'm just, I, you know, I love you. 
But the devil, he, he's a jerk. He's a jerk. North Carolina. He's a jerk, y'all. The devil's a jerk. He is. He's a thief and a murderer. A destroyer. And so one of the things he tries to do, he tries to get in your head right away. And, and as soon as you, you know, you say, Lord, I'm going after you. I'm, try, I'm, I'm seeking to go after you. And then you're seeking to go after him. And then all of a sudden there's a habit that you didn't catch and you messed up. You know, should you continue in that habit forever? No, no. But turn real quick over to Romans chapter 8 and verse 13. Let me show you something that will help you. Romans 8. In verse 13, years ago, as a pastor, I was uh, really having to find out how do I handle certain situations because definitely I was presented with some situations I had not seen before and I needed to know what the right answer was and one of those was how do I, how do I tell when to let go of somebody and let them go do their own thing? And how do I give to them and love on them and serve them? How do I know? And the Lord said this to me. He said, many people will be moving towards me, but not at the speed that you want them to. But if they're moving towards me, leave them alone. Leave them alone. They're doing good. Because even if they're going slow, eventually they're going to get. They're headed in the right direction and they're moving. Now, if they're stagnant, if they're, if they're stopped, you need to kind of prod that some, right? Or if they're going backwards or they're completely deceived and they think they're doing right and they're not, then you need to minister to that. But don't, you know, don't get frustrated. Basically what he was telling me as a minister is don't get frustrated if somebody's in motion, right? And I want you to see this. Romans 8 and verse 13. It says this. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body or the deeds of the flesh, you will live. So the question becomes, all right, I've messed up before. And now when you mess up, it's important to recognize it and it's important to deal with it quickly. Don't let it linger. Well, I'll fix that one day. No, fix it today. Not, I'll fix it one day, fix it today. The word that you follow works. Because if you know about it and you don't start working on it today, the word is already starting to break in your life. What, the manifestation of the word starts to break. See, we've got to have the word of God as our standard. Not what, the, not what schools told us, not what the world's told us, not what corrupted flesh has told us. Yeah. You understand that the devil knows. The devil knows. He's been watching humanity for 6,000 years. He knows what makes us tick. And don't think you're going to outsmart him. Guess what? He's seen your personality before. He He knows what buttons to push. He knows what buttons to push. And so he just keeps pushing them. Why? Because we've allowed them to work. (laughs) We've allowed them to work. And here's what we got to do. You find out, oh, I missed that. Deal with it right then. But, but here's what you do. You immediately repent, which means that I change my thinking on it and I confess it to the Lord. 
I ask him for forgiveness, and by faith I receive it. I receive forgiveness, which means there should be no condemnation, no, no weight of judgment on me because I've received the forgiveness of the Lord if I truly repented with my heart. Now I'm clean, and I walk towards that. But this, this was my question, though. Have you ever tried to do that, and you still had some bad habits? And you, you might have had the spiritual power broken over your life, but you didn't, you didn't break the habit yet. Yeah. And so you're trying to do good, and then all of a sudden you mess up again. This verse really helps because it says this. Are you putting that thing to death? See, if you're just leaving it there, if you're just leaving it there and you know that it's there, that's a problem. But if you are actively working on that thing, I mean I'm actively working on it. I'm quickly repenting to the Lord. And I'm, I'm talking to my pastor about it, you know. This is something I need, and that's a big deal. There's a power in humility and submission. And all of a sudden you say, I, I'm working on this and I'm breaking it right now because see, somebody else in your life brings accountability. The greatest breakthroughs I've ever had in my life when it comes to sin always had to do when I confessed it to my pastor or Nicole. It always came when I confessed it. Those are the greatest breakthroughs I've ever had. Things that I had the hardest times getting rid of when I confessed, confessed it to her, confessed it to my, power, uh, my pastor, that's when the power of it broke. See, what the devil tries to do is he tries to get us off onto an island. But we need to be putting to death those things. In other words, can you see here in Romans 8, if I'm actively putting that thing to death, now I'm, I'm on the right path. I'm headed down the right road. Right. I'm putting it to death. I'm actively putting it to death, the things of the flesh. Yeah. So, you know, like going back to the car salesman. If he's here and, and he, uh, he is seeking to not, to not use that worldly tactic anymore, and then all of a sudden one day, just out of habit, he does it and uses it, and, and then all of a sudden, well, he's not going to hell because he missed it on the tactic. But he needs to very quickly recognize it and say, oh, Lord, I, I didn't put faith in you. I use that tactic. Lord, I apologize. I repent. I won't do it again. And I thank you. I ask you for your forgiveness. I receive it. I'm putting that tactic, that worldly tactic, that way of a dark kingdom, I'm putting it to death. Yeah. Say, Lord, I trust you to give me favor. I trust you to bring finances into my home. The word that you follow works. The devil will try to condemn you over things, but make sure that you are actively putting it to death. What I want you to take out of that is, if you find yourself dealing with something and it's not going right, make sure that you're actively putting to death the deeds of the flesh, of the corrupted flesh. Yeah. I'm putting it to death. I'm not letting it linger. I'm putting it to death. You know, if, you, if you're smoking, you know, I used, I used to both drink and smoke cigarettes. Never really had, had much to do with drugs. I just didn't, didn't, you know, I guess alcohol and cigarettes is drugs, but anyway, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm telling you, those were things that were difficult for me to put down at a time. And so I, when I, if I'm actively putting it, I'm not just like leaving it in the fridge. 
You know, and, and you may disagree with me, and I don't really care if you do. You don't need to be having a stash of wine in your house. You don't need that. You don't need to have, well, I just have a beer sometimes. And, and I understand, there's, and I know the doctrine, and I know the theology, and you and I can talk about it, and if you want to ask questions, ask questions, but I'm just telling you the end result now. You need to be mindful of that. People are watching. Here's the other thing. God's watching. God's watching. And we need to be actively putting things to death. Here's the other thing. Our conscience affects our faith. Our conscience affects our faith. And if we know, like, all right, this is just a little something that I you know, just have every now and then, our faith's going to stop working. And we're wondering why our faith isn't working. It's because our conscience is affected. If your conscience is not clear, which is why you need to repent quickly, if your conscience isn't clear, when you go to pray, it doesn't work. And so when I was, and, and look, who, who hadn't been there? On some issue. On some issue. Who hadn't been there? We've all been there. On some issue. So everybody that never drank or smoked, don't be eyeing down everybody else right now, all right? (laughs) We've all had some issue we needed to work on. Here's the thing. We don't need, see, we don't need a false wine. When we have the new wine. We don't need that. We don't need that. We have the divine healer. So one of the things I want you to see. And like I said. I, I, I can hear. I can hear scriptures and religious wheels turning. And uh, let's talk about it. I, 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 I've studied this. I know, what, I know what it's about. And I know how to deal with it. This is one of the things that, uh, and it might surprise you what I would actually say to you, but here's the thing. We are supposed to live lives that abstain from the appearance of evil. Not just to the world, but to ourselves. And so if we have anything, I'll just use those because I had to deal with this. Let me be glass house for you. I can remember when I was, you know, drinking alcohol and smoking cigarettes, and here I am, and I know I'm called to preach. Well, that was like hell on earth, you know. Here I am knowing that I'm called as a believer, and and I smell like hell, you know. How am I going to save people from the fires of hell when my breath smelled like it? How you doing? Want to know Jesus? He's great. <laughs> and y'all know, when, when, you, when you preach Jesus, when, when you preach Jesus, when you drink, when you're drunk, man, I could preach with the best of them. Just let me get a few beers in. It's like, man, I, it was, and it, of course, that's horrible. <laughs> of course that's horrible uh, oh let me get a little a few drinks in me and then I'll tell you about Jesus good job awesome I remember one time I was out with friends and we had been you know we'd been partying or whatever and sure enough it gets about two or three in the morning and I'm, I go to town telling them about Jesus great example 
I found was I found myself being so convicted in those, you know, found myself being so convicted, and the devil was just beating me up, and I needed to get free of that stuff. Well, the thing was, I wasn't actively putting it to death. I was just letting it sit there. And eventually, the Lord said, you're going to have a hard time doing this because you want to do it. And I had to get it in my heart. I don't want to do it. And so what I started doing was even while I was, you know, I'd be sitting there smoking a cigarette or or drinking a beer or something, and and I'd say, this is not who I am. This is not who I am. I don't like this. And I would say it, I don't want this. With my words, I'm actively putting it to death. Now, in my mind, I was thinking, I do want it. I do want it. I do want it. I do want it. I like it a lot. That's what I was thinking in my mind. But I knew the word better. And I knew the power of it. And I knew the power of confession. I don't want this. I remember specifically with smoking cigarettes a few months later. A few months later, all of a sudden, I was sitting there, and I was like, I don't want these anymore. Amen. And what I had confessed had become a reality, and I put them down and didn't pick them back up. Amen. And I stopped trying to preach people out of hell smelling like it. <laughs> and I got rid of the dry mouth, and I got rid of all the junk, and I got rid of the condemnation, and rid of all the feelings. What was I doing? I was confessing, I was actively putting to death the deeds of the flesh. If you can get the confession ready, the one that says, I hate sin, get that one, get that one ready. Put it up on the screen as soon as you get it. That's why, you know, one of the things that we need to do, if you look over in Hebrews chapter 1, around verse 8 and 9, it said that Jesus hated wickedness or lawlessness, hated sin, and loved righteousness, and he was anointed. That's why this one says this. This this is kind of things we need to do. Confession number five. We walk in the fullness of faith, hope, and love. We win souls. We love righteousness, hate sin, walk in holiness, and are anointed by God. Amen. You are. That's who you are in Jesus' name. That's who you are. See, that's who we are if we'll follow them. So even by making that confession, even by making the confession, we're putting to death the deeds of the flesh. I found the key. I would get into the middle of something and I'd be tempted by whatever, you know, after that. And I'd I'd be, you know, how many things can you be tempted by? I mean, you could make a list for a while, right? Anything on that list. Anything on that list. It'd start to tempt me. Start to tempt my flesh. I just start speaking. I hate sin. I love holiness. I hate sin. And I'm anointed. Now, I'd be thinking in my mind, I want that. I like that. Right? I I want to do that. In my mind. Because my mind is receiving an input from the flesh man and from the spirit man. That's what the word teaches us. So my mind's sitting there dealing with it. But I'm putting to death the deeds of the flesh. I hate sin. It'd be hard for me to keep saying I hate sin and keep thinking good about that thing. I'd say, I'd be thinking, ooh, I want that. And I'd say, I hate sin. I was like, no, I don't want that. 
No, no, I really want that. I hate sin. I love righteousness. No, I don't want that. You know? <laughs> and eventually it got to the place where it'd pop up as a temptation and be like, nah. Nah. Why? Because the word works that we follow. What am I doing here? I'm actually following several bits of scripture to confess the word, to know what I'm supposed to do, to follow the ways of Jesus. Follow those through who faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Walk in righteousness. The just shall live by faith. I want to live. I want to live. Or as Dr. Richard would say, live! <laughs> I love the way he says fire. It blesses me. <laughs> I said it the other day. Y'all were like, say it again. <laughs> who said that? <laughs> Amen. The first time he came in and ministered, and he did that, I'm like, what voice just came out of him? <laughs> I was like, I was listening again, he did it again, four, and I was like, I was like, all right. That's different. <laughs> That's different. Now I've gotten used to it. Now I just smile. I love it. So it was different when he first did it. <laughs> I'm like, how did that big voice come out of that little body? <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa. All right, back on track. But what was I doing? I, I'm putting to death the deeds of the flesh. See, the word that you follow works. The word that you follow works. Let's go really quickly. When we follow, we follow God. Go to Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. When we follow God, we follow him to wisdom and favor. We follow him to wisdom and favor. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Now this is the same story, but there's more details that happen, and you can see more details in Luke than what you see uh, over in Matthew that we just read. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master. <laughs> You catch that? <laughs> Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I will do as you say and let down the, the nets. Now, <laughs> who grew up fishing? Peter. Who didn't grow up fishing? Jesus. <laughs> so now all of a sudden, Jesus knows more about fishing than Peter does. Now put yourself in Peter's position. You ever worked a really, really hard day? And then you come home and your spouse says, well, why didn't you do it this way? <laughs> Don't look to the left or the right. Just look up at Jesus right now. Save your soul. <laughs> and what you feel like doing right in that moment? Like, you tell me how to do my job. 
Don't you know Peter was probably feeling a little bit of this right now? Don't you think maybe? The word that you follow works. Now see, look at Peter's, look at, look at Peter's line of thinking here. Look at, look at his line of thinking. Jesus does not know how to fish. He doesn't know how to fish like I know how to fish. I just worked all night. Caught nothing. He's probably not in a good mood. I mean, do you know Peter? <laughs> He's probably not in a good mood. He's probably cussing. He probably just said, I hate sin. I got to stop cussing. He probably just said it <laughs> right before Jesus walked up. He probably just told his brother, give me the bottle. It probably just happened. Now, of course, I'm making that up, but it wouldn't surprise me. if we watch, When we watch it in heaven, it won't surprise me a bit. A bit. And then, here comes this preacher. Oh, you're going to tell me how to run cable. You're going to tell me how to finish a wall. And Jesus comes in and says, <laughs> you're going to tell me how to cut hair. You're going to tell me how to cook great, amazing stuff. Have I ever told you how good it is? I really like it. It's awesome. It would bless me so much. No, wait. Richard said, don't hint. I'm sorry. Forget all that. Come over here. So, you, yeah. <laughs> You're going to tell me how to do my business. After I worked hard all day, on my feet, sweating, and got nothing to show for it, and you're going to tell me. Another translation says this, because Jesus is about to say, follow me. But before he gets to that spot, another translation says this. We worked hard all night, and we caught nothing. But at your word. At your word. See, when we recognize that, now watch this. He just heard a message from Jesus. Why would he listen to Jesus? There must have been something in the message that called him. There was something real about it. Something about the message must have called him. Otherwise, why? And P, I mean, do you know Peter? He'd have been like, no, I ain't letting the nets down. That's, that's the kind of person he was. He had an opinion. You know what I'm thinking about. I'm not going to talk about it. He had an opinion. He would have told him. But he said this, these, these words of faith. You know, in other words, he just let Jesus know what was actually going on. I don't think you know what I know. But I recognize the voice of God in you. And even though I don't think you know what I know, at your word. I'll follow what you say. I'll put your word, Jesus, and your thinking. I'll put your word and your thinking above my thinking and even my expertise. I'll put your word above what? My expertise. I'll put your word above what I've been taught. I'll put your word above my skill. 
I'll put your word on the throne of my life. At your word, I'll do what you say. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats, and they, so they began to sink. How do you think Peter's partners, fishing partners, felt about Peter listening to the word? Their boats were so full they began to sink. All of them. He called his partners. See, what we do affects other people. What we do as a church, the ground that we become, I just prayed this morning, you know, early in the morning. Lord, let us be good ground. Let us be the kind of ground that brings about harvest in the lives of the people at Boomerang. Let us be that kind of ground. Let us be good ground, Lord. Why? Why? For, for us? No, for the people. Yeah. You know, let us be connected. You know, for example, like the partners of Peter. Let us, the partners, let us be connected to people that will listen to the word and yeah. follow the word. So, Lord, what I want us to do at Boomerang is be a people that follows the word so that our ground is so fruitful that the blessing overflows into the lives. Like, for example, this morning, as I'm, as I'm coming down off of, this, off of the platform, and I say, Lord, let it be supernaturally exponential. Let, let financial breakthrough be in this place. Yeah. Well, see, if you don't know the power of the word, then you might just think that that's just talk and hype. But if you know the power of the word and you've seen supernatural debt erased in one week, you've seen supernatural protection that week, you'll start to realize that if that's the Lord speaking through a man, then I can have that and I want to be a part of a place like that. Lord, let us be a place where people can be blessed for your sake and for the kingdom's sake. You know, what, am, what are we supposed to believe? That we'll just be an average place? No, to whom much is given, much is required. His partners were blessed because Peter was blessed because Peter followed the word. The word that you follow works. And I love this. You know, I don't, I don't know. Peter makes me cry. Like, you know, here he is and he realizes he's in the presence of somebody carrying the presence of God. And immediately... It says, when Simon, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Now, see, part of this was condemnation talking. You know, he, he's feeling bad about himself and he's carrying condemnation, which Jesus will set him free from. But ultimately what he's saying is, I'm not worthy to be around you. And he recognizes that. He says, this is a different caliber of man. And he humbled himself in front of Jesus. He didn't act like he knew it all. He, he might have thought that he knew it all, but he still followed the word. But then he sees the results and he says, this, this is something different. This is something different. See, if we will get to the place where we'll say, Lord, even what I know, I probably don't know. But what you know will always work. Jesus, what you know and your love for me and your love for us will always work. So I choose to follow you. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. 
I want you to see this. His companions, his partners, Jesus had their attention. How? By the blessing. The blessing of the Lord caught their attention. See, the world's not concerned about your morality. They're not concerned about your morality. But when you start walking in the blessing, they'll be like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. What are you doing? Because they want to be blessed too. That's why finances are so important, why the devil attacks them so much. Because it's, a, it's an indicator of covenant. When you're blessed financially and you're walking in abundance, it's an indicator of covenant. And they might not understand covenant, but they do see and recognize the blessing. They say, what do you, what do you have? Right. Uh, you'll, you may find this funny. I remember one time when I was in high school, I worked at a movie store. And uh, I was renting movies and uh, uh, renting, you know, VCR tapes. And, you know, the kind you had to please be kind and rewind. And um, you put them in a little machine and it would buzz for a minute or so and then stop and pop up. And um, I bet the people that didn't rewind are saying, well, don't take the carts back to the store. What you think? Might be stirring the pot a little bit. <laughs> I was, we were renting a movie, and I remember this guy came in. Now, this is 1990. And this dude came in. Uh, half our church wasn't born. That's a weird feeling. 1990, I'm working, and this dude walks in with a cell phone. You know, a cell phone. <laughs> it had an antenna that was a foot long. And it, it was one of those, the Motorola ones that are the classic look. And uh, man, if you had a cell phone, you was rich. <laughs> you were rich in the 1990 if you had a cell phone, especially if it wasn't a bag phone, you know. And he walks in, he's got that thing on his belt. And, uh, you know, here I am, I'm. Seven, 16 or 17, I see that thing on his belt, and I'm like, and, and I don't know what he was doing. I know what I was doing. I was watching. <laughs> Why? Because I want to know what he did to get that cell phone. And he gets up to the counter, and I check him out and everything, but here's, here's my question. What do you do? Why? Because I wasn't concerned. I wasn't concerned with renting movies and that. I want to know what got him that cell phone. What can I do, like what you do, that I can be blessed like you're blessed? Yeah. See, his partners were amazed. Amazed because of the blessing that was on Peter because he followed the word. Right. See, God wants you to follow the word, not just for your benefit, but, but when the blessing from following the word starts to come in your life, it preaches. Because people don't care about your morality, but they do care about your blessing. They'll say, how can I do that? They'll be just like me as a young kid saying, how'd you get that? How'd you get that? For amazement has seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Have you left everything to follow him? 
And if you haven't, is he really Lord? And when you get to heaven, is he going to say, are we going to say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you? Because if he's Lord, then we're following him. And we need to follow the example of people who received the promises. Have you left everything to follow him? Have you left the worldly way of thinking? Or are we still thinking worldly? You know, uh, we talked about just a few weeks ago, political. There's political talk in that Bible, but have we been willing to lay our political thinking on the line for what God thinks about it? This is following him. That's just the most real one that I can press a nerve in you on purpose to get you to say, maybe I haven't followed him fully. Why am I telling this to you? Because when we wake up to the revelation that he's worth following, we'll start stepping into the blessing and being who God wanted us to be. And God wants you to be. He's like me in that picture of me and Luke on the, uh, on the roof. He's not trying to tell you everything you can't do to be a mean dad. He's, he's telling you and showing you the guardrails to keep you safe and make you blessed. There's no more safety than to follow this. This is the best safety and the best blessing that you can ever have. So we can either follow it or we can fight against it. But if you go over, I think it's in James, it's either James 4 or 1 Peter 5, it says that if you are in pride, you put yourself in opposition to God, you're never going to win that. But if we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to God in his ways, we'll actually flow in the blessing and have the blessing flow. The word that you follow works. When we follow him, we follow him to miracles and supernatural power. You remember when the little girl was sick and he took into the house only Peter and James and John, it's in Luke chapter 8. Verse 50, he said, Peter, James, and John, come with me. And what did, they followed him into the house, into this death situation. And what happened? She came back to life. See, when you follow Jesus, you see the supernatural and the power and the miracles. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus is there walking on the water. And then he says, in verse 27, Matthew 14, 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. If you'll follow him, you'll do the supernatural. You'll be the supernatural. That's who you'll be. Yeah. Matthew chapter 17 Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain. Verse 2, and he was transfigured before them. In other words, he let his glory out, and they saw his glory, the glory of Christ. And his garment, his face shone like the sun. And what do you think that's going to look like when all of a sudden there's a man in front of you, and all of a sudden he starts to transfigure, and his face looks like the brightness of the sun? When we follow him, yeah, when we follow him, we'll see his glory. 
will walk in his miracles, will walk in his supernatural power. And his garments became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. We follow the power. We follow the supernatural provision. Matthew 17, 27. It's when they were wanting them to pay the tax. And he tells Peter, uh, go and put, put a line in the lake and catch a fish. And in, in the fish's mouth will be a coin to pay it. Supernatural provision when we follow him. See, a lot of people, they're like, well, I just want to be healed. And I just need a good job. And I want, I want to have enough. Follow him. And you'll have those things. Yeah. The blessings start to pile up. But a lot of times we're sitting in those, those places of lack because we haven't followed him. God is not mocked in Galatians 6. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And so we're sitting there and God's telling us to do stuff and we're not following him and we don't have the things that we're supposed to have. The blessing. But if we'll do those things, yeah. God is not mocked. Whatever I sow in the love of God to follow, I'll have the blessings that accompany it. You know, God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he shall also reap. We a lot of times look at it negative, but it works negative and positive. And if we'll become a good sower of following Christ, there's good blessings that will be reaped. Yeah. It's also, we just have to follow them. Just reading through what, I, what I've had so far is that when we follow him, it works. We follow him, we receive wisdom, where to throw the net. We receive supernatural favor that blesses us and all of the people around us. We follow him to miracles and supernatural power. We follow him to supernatural provision. We follow him to serving and sowing and reaping. Turn real quickly to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 and verse 28. Mark chapter 10 verse 28 through 31 says, But Peter began to say, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Verse 29, Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one, say it with me, no one, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake or for the gospel's sake. See, it's important for us to, the things that we do, don't make it for any other sake, but for the sake of Jesus, and the sake of the gospel. If we'll make it about Jesus and we'll make it about the kingdom, we are in a good ground. And he says that if you do it for my sake or for the gospel's sake, verse 30, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions. In other words, people are going to talk about it when you start getting blessed. And in the age to come, you will reap eternal life. That means a fullness in every area of life and rewards and the blessings of God. And he says, why did they receive these things? Because they followed him. And they said, Lord, I give you everything. He said, you'll receive now in this time and in the time to come. 
now in this time. So when we follow him, now listen, but what are they doing in this? When they're following him, what are they really doing? They're serving. And this, it'll say many that are first will be last. It's right here in the same place. In other words, stop trying to be on top of everything just for the sake of a worldly position and get to the place where you're giving your life to serve. To serve. When we follow him, it also leads us to testing. Peter followed him to the garden, and then he followed him into the courtyard where Jesus is being tried. And very quickly, following Jesus, took him to a place where he determined how much did he believe in Jesus. And they said, hey, aren't you with Jesus, who's about to go to the cross? No, I don't know the man. See, following Jesus, it'll test you. It'll test you. I'll give you a clue. If you ever find yourself under heavy emotional pressure, it's almost always something being tested, and it's almost always something spiritual. If I ever find myself and I'm getting really frustrated or I'm just almost, it doesn't even hardly make sense, I'm getting so frustrated... I know generally that is spiritual that's working on me. It's spiritual. And it can be a good spiritual too. It can be the compassion of God that drives you to do something you would never give before. It can be a good spiritual, but it's almost always spiritual when there's heavy emotion. And here's Peter. He gets to the place where he gets so frustrated he cusses. I don't know the man. He's being tested. And following will test you. Following will test you. Why? Because as you follow Jesus, you're going to find an area in your flesh that's not yet bowed to the name of Jesus. And it's at that moment you go back to the Word and you say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life and I will follow you. What do you say about this? Not what's on CNN, not what's on Instagram. What do you say? What do you say? Not what you were taught in school, not what you were taught by another preacher, not what you're even taught by this preacher, unless I say what that says. If I don't say what that says, and there's no backup for what I say, don't listen to it, ever. Acts chapter 17 says this. It says in verse 11, it talks about the Bereans. It says they were more noble than than them all. And it said, here's the reason they were noble. They would take the message that was preached. They would go back to the word and say, what does the word say about that? They would do like what many of you are doing. They're writing down the scriptures. They're going back and they're saying, is this true? Is what Pastor Brian preached this morning, is that true? Is that the way? Is that the way that I I should be walking? Is that how I should follow? And they study it out. Not while I'm preaching. Everybody looked up. Because <laughs> sometimes the devil gets you running down on a, on a good little quest when you need to be yielding to uh, the preaching. That's why it's happening right now. We're going somewhere. But following will test you. Following will test you. It'll take you to places that you haven't crucified yet. And it'll test you. And that's okay. That's a good thing. Because as it tests you, you'll find what you're full of. 
and you'll find how dedicated you are to following that. And you'll clean up the areas that you need to clean up, and you'll follow better. You'll follow better, and you'll follow better. Following leads to a testing. Turn, the last set of scriptures that we'll look at is John chapter 21. I just say it's the last set of scriptures to give you hope. (laughs) That was fun for me. I hope you enjoyed it. John chapter 21. One of my favorite stories ever in the Bible for sure. Starting at at verse 3, at this point, Jesus has died and resurrected and even appeared to the disciples and breathed on them and they become born again. He appeared to them in the upper room. He showed them his hands and his feet. He showed them the nail holes. He breathes on them. They're born again. But he's told them, he's going to tell them, wait for the promise of the Father, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. What's interesting is there's at least over 500 disciples that are around, but when we get to Acts chapter 2, there's only 120 at church. And you don't want to be, you want to be that group. (laughs) You want to be that group. They're the ones that got poured out by the Holy Ghost, and you want to be there. A lot of people have not esteemed that in this time, but you want to be there. You want to follow what Jesus said in his word in Hebrews 10. Don't forsake the assembly, especially as the days grow near. Have you seen anything recently that's told you that the days are growing near to the return of Christ? Anybody seen anything? Are we getting really close? And it says you need to meet all the more. Because it helps us. God knew what he was talking about. I say we can choose not to do that. But what are we saying? Lord, I'm not following what you said. The word that we follow works. The word that we follow works. So they've appeared, but now it, it looks like they haven't really, they don't know what to do. They're waiting. Jesus is gone. Jesus is not with them anymore. He is resurrected, but he's not there anymore. And uh, what happens a lot of times when people, you know, don't know what to do? They will go back to what they used to do. They'll go back to what's comfortable in the flesh. Hear this. This is huge. This will set you free. Many times people will go back to what their comfort zone is. Like with the salesman, well, I don't know what to do right now. I'll just go back to that old sales tactic. They'll fall in. And that's kind of what happens here. And in verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Don't you know that probably something on the inside of him was saying, that's probably not the right move. Because didn't Jesus say, you'll, no longer, you'll be fishers, fishers of men. He says, you'll no longer catch. He says, you'll be fishers of men. So he says, I'm going fishing. I don't think this was just him out there for a day just to relax. That's not what this was. This is, I don't know what to do right now. 
And instead of waiting on the Lord, he says, I'm going fishing. And I think it, you kind of prove that here a little bit later. He said to him, and then everybody else that was there with him said, we'll, we will also come with you. And they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. The old flesh ways and the corrupted ways of the world, they just don't work once you're in the new kingdom because you're in different laws. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children! Let's go with Elizabeth. Children! Elizabethan. Here, your buddy, say it in British. I don't know how. <laughs> I thought you could. Really quick. Children! You know. That's not it either. I'm just. You do not have any fish, do you? And they answered him, no. <laughs> and he said to them, cast the net on the right side, right hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and they were not able to haul the net in because of the great number of fish. Fished all night. Fish running from their boat in the world system. Fish run into their boat in God's system. <laughs> Fish running away from their boat in the world system. Fish running to their boat in God's system. How many people you're going to operate in God's system? How many people you're going to see fish run into your boat? Customers run into your business. Favor run into your bank accounts in Jesus' name. Not just, not just for your sake, but for the abundance and for the covenant's sake. To be a blessing and to be a testimony. Because we're following them. Healing run into your body in Jesus' name. See, these are promises that we can rest on and we can, we can put our faith in and start to see the overcoming. The joy running into our home. Strength of God running into our lives. Running into it. The blessing overflowing. Life to the full till it overflows. Cast your net on the right side. Do things the right way. God's saying, do things my way. Follow me. Follow my word. Make my word your standard. Make my word king of your life. Cast your net on the right side. And they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Verse 7. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said, said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Soon as he says, that's Jesus. Jesus is over there on the shore. He gathers his stuff, throws it on, and jumps off the boat. He leaves the fish. He leaves everybody else. He 
is going to follow Jesus. Following him is immediately and wholeheartedly. He says, look, I'm done with this fishing. I'm done with following the ways of the world. I'm done with following the logic that I've had all my life. I'm going to follow the logic of Christ. I'm jumping in the water. I'm taking everything with me. I'm turning my back on the old way, and I'm following Jesus. He is my Lord. He's the king of my life. But the other disciples came in the little boat, and they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. Have you ever tried to swim in your full clothes? In a, it is not easy. And a hundred yards is no joke in full clothes. What, what kind of determination had to be in the heart of Peter to do this? He's wholeheartedly, Lord, Lord! I'm going after you. Even though he didn't say it maybe with his mouth, he said it with his actions. Father, I need you. I want you. I'm going after you, and I will not be denied. I'm leaving all that old way. I'm leaving that old thinking. I'm leaving that old logic. I'm leaving those old tactics. Lord, it's you I need. You, Lord. So when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. You see, what you'll find when you follow Jesus is he's already got all supply waiting on you. And it wasn't just raw fish up there. It was already cooked. It's already cooked. Prepared. Prepared. He's prepared a place for us, not just in heaven, but in his kingdom, a place of his blessing if we'll follow him. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. A blessing without corruption. A blessing without corruption. Now watch this. Verse 15, so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? I remember Peter had denied him three times. He followed him and he found an area that needed fixing, that he wasn't healed in yet. And he denied them three times. Three times Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And he lets Peter repent of his earlier words and heal from where he missed it. And show Jesus with all of his heart, Lord, I love you. But I also think part of what he's asking here is, you can really look at it one of a couple ways. Do you love me, Peter, more than all these other disciples? But you can also look at it like this. Do you love me more than you love these fish and the ways of these fish? The fishermen that you used to be? Or do you love me more to be fishers of men? Are you going to keep going back to your old ways and following that? You know, I believe the whole story is based on I'm going fishing. 
And I think what he's saying is, Peter, you can keep going back to your old ways, but it's never going to satisfy you. But if you'll follow me, I'll have provision laid up for you all the, the whole time. And what does he say? If you're going to follow me, what does he tell Peter to do each time? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he says this, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And what does he say? Tend my lambs, serve people. Again, the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep, serve people. Then he says this the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said it to him the third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep, serve people. When we follow him, we follow him immediately and wholeheartedly, but we follow him into service, into serving people. Serving people is more, than, more important than our feelings. It's more important than our protection. Serving people is more important than our stuff. Serving people is more important than our position. Serving, serving in the heart and the love of God is more important than all of that. But yet the world has taught us to be so concerned about our own stuff. Do you love me? Serve. It's the core of following him. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you to where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And what he's talking about is when Peter died, They stretched him out on a cross upside down and crucified him. He's saying, you're going to go to a place you don't even want to go. He says, but Peter, follow me. So in following Christ, we've really got to examine, are we willing to crucify our flesh daily? Yes, by following him, we will be blessed. And, and, and no, not everybody that's hearing this is going to be crucified on a cross upside down. And you don't, have to, you don't have to do that. Jesus died once for all, right? But he may give you the option of it. Martyrdom's not dead. He may give you a choice. And if you read in Hebrews, it says that some chose to suffer instead of receiving deliverance. Where's that in the American church today? They can't even suffer on Instagram to keep the doors open. He says, Peter, follow me. I say to every believer today, including myself, let's follow him. But it may cost you your doctrine. It may cost you what you think. It may cost you money. Shocking. It may cost you your resources, but he is worthy of following. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's worthy of serving. His ways are higher than our ways, and his ways work. And this same Peter, this same Peter gets over into Acts and follows Jesus' command to the upper room. 
and the Holy Ghost falls. The Holy Ghost falls. And this same Peter, who was so ashamed and ran out crying and cussing because he had denied Jesus, was redeemed and set up to preach the gospel. The first one to preach the gospel in Jerusalem. And that day the fire of God fell on a crowd and 3,000 people were not just born again. 3,000 people were baptized by one man who decided to follow. Lord, we'll follow you today. We'll follow you today. Today's communion day. It's a heart of following him. The word that you follow works. When we have communion, Jesus said this to follow him properly. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I gave for you. Remember the price, the breaking of the body, the shedding of the blood. Do this and remember me. Remember the love and the compassion that was poured out for you to save you from hell. Without the body and the blood of the Lamb, without the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, eternal hell is the place that all of us would be. And so instead of having us go there, he was tortured. Uh, you know, the other day, when, you know, how many people saw the passion of the Christ? And do you know that when, they, when people watched that, when that movie came out, people ran out of the theaters throwing up violently sick because of the torture that that movie showed. But I want you to understand that that movie still, you can recognize him as a man. And the Bible teaches us that actually you could not recognize him as a man. His body was so destroyed, not one bone was broke, but the flesh was ripped to shreds. You could not, and every sickness and disease came on him for your sake and for my sake. He's worthy of following, and I'm supposed to remember what he did for me. And that should cause me to live differently, not just on Sunday morning, but every day of my life. That should cause me to think differently. That should cause me to stop walking the way of the world and the world's logic and the world's tactics and go into God and say, Jesus, you are truly my Lord and I will follow you. I'll follow you. And all that should all be remembered every time that we take communion. Jesus, I remember you. I remember what you did. And I remember what you saved me from. <coughs> the shredding of the flesh. The shedding of your blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Without his blood, none of us could see God and go to heaven. None of us. But by his blood, he made a way, a doorway, that we could be reconnected with God again forever. We could go and never have to go through hell. We could walk in the blessing and the covenant and follow him and see the supernatural and the miraculous all by his body and his blood. And not only should it remind us of what he did, but it should remind us of what we should be doing. Following him. 
Lord, let me give my body, my thoughts, my actions. Let me serve. Peter, do you love me? Serve people. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Serve, serve, serve. Give of yourself to serve. To whom much is given, much is required. Just bow your heads for a second, Father, today. We remember the love and the compassion, the passion of Jesus, of the anointed one of God. <laughs> what a gift. And Lord, we remember the torture and the shedding of blood for our sake, that we might know you and that we might follow you. By love, Lord, we remember that we should choose. We should choose to follow you. And I just, everyone that's hearing this message, I just encourage you right now, make a choice right now today. Make a choice right now today. Lord, I will follow you. Lord, I'll follow you. I'll follow your ways. I'll follow you into power. I'll follow you into blessing. I'll follow you into service. And I'll follow you into giving of my life for you. Lord, I'll follow you. I just want everybody in here to pray this out loud. You can just keep your head bowed and, and I want you to pray it. But I want you to mean it with your heart. We're going to just pray to make Jesus the ultimate Lord of our life today. Today is a marked day. And today we receive the following that we're called to. Just say this with me. Just say, Jesus, today I worship you with my life. You are the Lord of my life. Just let that hit. You're the Lord. You're the director. You call the shot. Make that decision in your heart right now. Then let's say it again. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And I believe you took my sins on you. And all of my problems. And that took you to the cross the tomb and hell for me. And I believe that God brought you back to life and raised you up by the power of the Holy Ghost. But you didn't leave me in that place of death. You raised me up with you. And today, I choose to follow you. And I remember the price you paid, the love you gave, and I remember my responsibility and my love that says to follow you. And today, I will follow you. And the word will work for me.
for me. For me. I ask you, Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Ghost and fire so that I will be empowered to be your witnesses. I give myself to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now don't take this yet. I want to say one more thing to you. The Bible talks about The Bible talks about that when we take communion, it shows us that it's a healing meal, a supernatural meal, a miracle meal. And as you take this today, we're following Christ. We're saying, Lord, as you gave your body and blood, I give you me. And as I take this today, I remember it. But I also know that as I partake of you, I partake of life to the full till it overflows. If you need healing in your body as you take this meal, you should believe, Lord, I receive healing supernaturally even as I take this communion today. I receive provision in my life. I receive every part of salvation, deliverance, protection, restoration, provision, healing, and fellowship with God. Lord, I receive it. So what I want you to do is just meditate on that for just a second. And when you feel ready to receive, to remember, to remember and receive, you partake of Christ and you, you by faith, you receive every bit of salvation, receive healing even as you take of this miracle meal of communion. Father, we follow you today. You can take it at any time that you feel led to. Father, we follow you today. We follow you in our steps, in our thoughts, in our actions. And we remember what you did, who you are, and who we should be. And we walk it out and we receive. And we abide in you and you abide in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is that exactly what he texted? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The word that you follow works. The word that you follow works. See, I believe in moments like this that the Lord is dealing with hearts and he's taking us to another level, another level of commitment. Lord, I'll follow you. I follow you. Just close your eyes for a second. Can you get that in your heart? Lord, I'll follow you. And when it comes in the middle of the week and you're trying to make a right decision on something, you'll hear those words again. Lord, I'll follow you. I'll follow your way. My flesh wants to do it this way, but I'll follow your way. I'll follow your way. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 